Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the Today on the Cannon Fire podcast, we are going to take a long, hard look at head coach Todd Bowles and his future as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 8-8 eight eight with one game left to go, and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who could not get the job done last week against the New Orleans Saints, they will have an opportunity on the road against another NFC South opponent in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so, I, I mean, I guess we'll have to break the fourth wall here. So, yeah, the fire alarm that you hear is my awesome apartment complex. Whenever you try to cook any food at all in this hell house, uh, the fire alarm goes off and lets the entire neighborhood know what your intentions are. So there we go. A special feature from my apartment fire alarm to start the uh, to start sound the edition. alarm on Todd Bowles' job. Right yeah, now? yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what that might mean. Uh, forecasting the future here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still reeling from a disappointing loss to the New Orleans Saints. We're not going to spend too much time on that, but really wanted to dive into Todd Bowles and the interesting situation he finds himself in here at 8-8, eight and eight, facing a crossroads to end the 2023 regular season. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Evan, how you doing, my friend? You're muted. That's how I'm doing. Uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, doing good and, um, you know, moving on from, from the game last weekend and, uh, you know, just... Well, this isn't a game preview. We're not really going to talk much about Carolina, like per se, like matchup wise. You know, we're not really going to be doing that. But um, we are going to be discussing, you know, what a win would mean, and what a loss would mean, and uh, all sorts of different things tonight. So um, j- just sort of talking about. And we're not even really going to be talking, like you said, like a little bit about last week's game. But if you want to catch what we thought about that game, go catch our review show that's up right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, yeah, moving on, and now you're you're facing a, a winner-go-home, you know, a situation here coming up. Yeah, the conversation this week for the Bucks begins with that performance at home last Sunday against the Saints. We talked about it on the post-game show, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll call back to it. Just an uninspired performance, and, you know, a lot of the reasons the Bucks looked lethargic in that first half has, has to fall on coaching. You know, that's the sev- that's it, it feels like the seventh time this year that the Bucks have had an opportunity to prove that they're more than what their record says they are. And I know that they were playing well. I know it was a hot streak. I know it's hard to win four games in a row in the NFL, even harder to win five. So from that perspective, I'm not too torn up about the loss. But what tears me up the most is that Every single time this season, when the Bucs are given an opportunity to prove that they are a better team than what their record says, they just fall flat. And, you know, I kind of said the same thing before that game against the Jaguars, where, oh, it's going to depend on how they look, how competitive they are in that game, uh, to prove to me that they are a playoff team. And they came out 
they whooped ass. Nobody expected that to happen the way that it did against Jacksonville, but let's face it. Look at the writing on the wall. Look at how injured that Jags team was. Look at Trevor Lawrence not playing his best football and the Bucs playing complimentary football. That was a great win. Don't get me wrong. Great win. But I just expected after that great win for this team to show me more signs of life in that game against New Orleans. And that's the biggest letdown because every single time this season, hell, every single time with head coach Todd Bowles, every time this Bucs team has an opportunity to, to kind of, you know, take a step up from where we think they are. They just, they don't even look prepared to be there. And and that's the biggest conundrum. And that's the biggest common flaw that I've noticed with Todd Bowles is, uh, you know, more times than not, when this team has to show up in a must-win game, they can't even show up. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you said, when you look unmotivated, unprepared, uh, just like I said, I mean, I said it right away on the on on the, the you know on the game review show when you asked you, you know, what was the reason? I said, well, pin it on coaching. Like, you know, obviously Dave Canales, I thought called a bad game. That's not necessarily completely on Todd Bowles, but like Todd Bowles' job is to have these guys throughout the week prepared and ready to play on Sunday. And the Bucks didn't look like a team willing to do that. It didn't look like a team that had a chance to clinch the NFC South. It looked like a team that was uh, a two or three win football team that's just trying to run out the season, right? They're just trying to get the season over with. Uh, that's what it looked like to me. I'm not saying players weren't trying. I'm just saying the motivation didn't seem there, right? When the when the Saints are fighting and, and scratching and calling for every blade of grass, every inch, every yard, every play, and you have the Buccaneers, you could just tell the body language was just completely different. They look completely flat. And to me, that's on coaching. And that is a big, big indictment on, on Todd Bowles. It, it really is. And um, this type of game, yeah, Bowles, look, Bowles' job a month ago at this time was not looking promising, right? A month ago at this time, the job security was, was not great. But then they won't go on a four-game winning streak. And for, for sure, that 100% helped him, right? 100% helps his case, right? Because we were looking at a team potentially with a top-10 pick. Now you're looking at only needing one more win to win the division. However, this was a game, just like you said, where it was nice against Jacksonville, right? Like, sure, going into Green Bay, in Lambeau, beating that team, but then beating Jacksonville, you know, beating the doors off of Jacksonville. Like, sure, that that that's great. But this was the game, I think. Where, like, if you would have won this game, a five-game win streak, first time since 2016, fans would have been like, all right, like, you know, this team is going to definitely end up with a winning record, right? They would they would have been 9-7, and seven, possibly 10-7, and seven, winning six straight to end the year. That would have been a huge momentum boost. Instead, you get a team that looked like they just had somewhere else to be on, on Sunday. They just looked like a team where... Like I said, they were unprepared for anything that the Saints were doing, uh, and the Saints seemed to have all the answers. So the Bucs were outcoached. Uh, they were outphysical. They were outmanned by the Saints on Sunday. And ultimately, yes, it falls on the players somewhat, but I also think that falls on the head coach as well. Todd Bowles over two seasons with the Bucs, a 16-17 and 17 record. Now with an 8-8 eight and eight record headed into the final regular season game of the year. The Bucs have to beat the 2-14 and 14 Carolina Panthers to win the NFC South Division and claim that fourth seed in the NFC. They'll clinch a home playoff game for the third season in a row. But again, like you said, last week, that game against New Orleans, like that should have meant everything to this Bucks team. It should have. And, and, and as you had alluded to, they looked like they had better places to be. And, and 
there was no sense of urgency. I, I was sitting, I had probably the best seats I've ever had to a Bucks game. So not only was I upset uh, because I had great seats, but I felt personally attacked because it was my birthday. But I'm sitting there for three and a half, almost four quarters, and I'm looking at this Bucks sideline, and you can see a couple of, uh, you know, you can see a couple of guys shaking their heads at each other. I think I said this on the postgame show, but, like, I watched Mike Evans walk over to Chris Godwin after another three and out, and they just shook their heads at each other, you know what I mean? Like, kind of had a, a frustrated look on their face. But I didn't see anyone fired up. I didn't see anyone checking everyone else into the game. You know, when the Bucks were down 20 to nothing, still calling screen passes and inside handoffs, I didn't see anyone losing their mind on the sideline. And I'm not saying that that's how you get your team back into the game. But the biggest difference, I think, between the Bucks team this year and the Bucks team in previous seasons, I mean, even a Bucks team under Todd Bowles, it doesn't seem like there's too many guys on the roster who are willing to freak out and lose their mind and, and get up in arms over there on the sidelines. Your thoughts? Three. One, two, 12. That's that's what they're missing, you know? Yeah. Would this have happened last year? It may be the production, but like what you say about the, the sideline, right? That guy that's right over your shoulder there wouldn't allow that to happen, you know? Um, it, just, it just simply wouldn't. And, and I think it... It does show a, a lack of of leadership. Is look, we talk about, and a lot of people talk about, oh, the you know the leadership that guys like JPP and the Dominican Sue that they brought to the team, right? The leadership that they brought, we're like, yeah, like they're kind of pricks, you know, like like they're kind of like in a good way, obviously, not like a way where like yeah, you hate playing with them, but like they will tell you when you need to step up. They they will. They will call you out basically when they need to. And I just don't know how many people on this football team have that ability right now. And um, ultimately, I think that's something they're lacking. Uh, that's something that it's tough to find. I mean, it's not easy to find for sure. That's not an easy job for Jason Light, but it's something in the offseason. He's got to find two or three of those types of guys uh, that are, you know, going to step up and, you know, yeah, not scream and yell at their teammates. It's just like you said, like you don't have to sit there and 10 times a game start, you know, going rah, rah and everything like that. Like you've seen Jameis Winston, all the pregame speeches he did, right? Like, did it seem to work? Not really, you know, like, so that's not the end all be all, but I do think it's important. And I think with the Buccaneers teams from 2019, 2020, 2021, what they had, I think this Bucks team really lacks. Now I know it is a younger roster than those teams, which plays a factor, right? Oh, Kalijah Canty isn't going to sit there and go nuts, right, on guys, right? This is not going to happen for a rookie. But I do think they're missing that type of leadership right now. So I'm not saying they don't have leaders. Baker Mayfield's a leader. Mike Evans is a leader. Levante David's a leader. They're just different types of leaders. They're, they're, they're the different kind of leaders. And I think the Buccaneers lack a certain mentality right now on Sundays that they just don't really don't really have right now. 44 total yards of offense for the Buccaneers in that first half on Sunday against New Orleans. And you talked about the leaders, and I, I know that we've talked a lot about the coaching staff after this loss, and obviously they deserve a fair share of the blame, but look at the leaders in this locker room. You just said they are a different type of leader, and that's true, but you need more guys to just question the accountability of the rest of the team because you've had that for the last couple of seasons, and this year you've definitely had some moments where – it just doesn't feel like anyone can be held accountable 
And when they are, it's too little too late. You know, the Bucks finally found a rhythm with that big play, big touchdown, Trey Palmer, Chris Godwin getting involved late in the game. But it's for, it's the fourth quarter. Like, who cares? You know, most of the fans were in the parking lot by the time Chris Godwin scored that touchdown. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate that that's the way that it works. But people felt the need to leave because the Bucks didn't show up. And, and this is the, the question that I'm going to ask you before we officially move on from the New Orleans game. And this is just, again, why it... Why it sticks with me. Um, would you say this was the worst loss of the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I know we can think of a couple of other games where they may have come out, maybe looked a little bit more competitive, but you know, I can think of several different occasions where they didn't look like they bothered showing up at all. You think back to that Detroit game. You think back to the Philadelphia game, the San Francisco. Well, the San Francisco game, they were a little more competitive than we thought they would be in the first half there, but down the stretch, they fell apart. You know, there's a lot of disappointing losses on the season. Indianapolis is up there for me. That might be one of the worst. That one hurt my chest when they lost that game. Uh, but when you rank this New Orleans loss with everything on the line for the Bucks and a chance to clinch the division with a week left in the regular season, where do you rank it as far as their worst losses of the year? Yeah, I... Maybe not the actual game itself. I just think when you combined the game with the stakes of the game, I think that's what stings a lot too. Where, you know, you could have had a real confidence boost, right? Sweeping New Orleans, who has just given you hell, right? I mean, it has just been terrible playing New Orleans for the Buccaneers. I mean, not even we talk about okay, Tom Brady or whatever. That was that was just magnified because it was Tom Brady, right? The Saints at that time, especially in 2020, they were good, right? Like that that was the the matchups, right? But even before that, like I mean, since like 2010, like like the Saints have just routinely dominated the Bucks and Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham and Marcus Colston and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore and Cam Jordan, all these guys. And you had a chance to win four straight over them, sweep them two years in a row at home to clinch the division, and you come out like that. I, I think that, not necessarily how they played, I think it's the stakes in the game and how they played that I think makes that one of the worst losses. I I'm not sure if it is the worst. I mean, the Atlanta game is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, that was at home too, and I think like the Saints, like credit to the Saints, they played a good game. Like the Saints battled, and you know the, the Saints, uh, you know I thought they played pretty well. Atlanta in that game in Tampa, I didn't think Atlanta played well at all. They turned the ball over three times. Like the Buccaneers should have won that game. So we're talking Ritter. about worst <laughs> loss. It might be that Desmond Ritter was a liability for Atlanta in both of those games, seemingly. So right. you know I definitely right. think yeah, that first like, game. You talk about the crucial mistakes that kept the Bucs in the game. As far as performance, uh, that was probably one of their worst performances of the season. We got a $20 Super Chat from your biggest fan, Kathy Gillespie. Just in time Thank you, Kathy. to sound the alarms here. $20 Super Chat from Kathy, longtime season ticket holder. The product that was put out on that field was so disappointing. Saints fans around me were so obnoxious. Really tough one to swallow, even with a win this week. A shitty taste after that. And that's, that's exactly that's exactly that's the point. Yes, that's that, the point. That's exactly where we find ourselves now. We'll get to Todd Bowles and his future as the Bucks head coach here in a second. But looking ahead to this Panthers game this week, we obviously know what it means. So we're not going to spend too much time breaking down the playoff scenario for the Bucs if they win or they lose. I mean, winning you're in, losing you're done. 
You know, the Bucks yeah. officially have a 0.1% chance to make the postseason yeah, because I, I, of... I think it, it involves a tie. I yeah, think. you're going to you're gonna need... Uh, basically, if I, they I, I, lose... I think the, the Bucks need to tie. They Well, they have... If they lose to Carolina, they need Atlanta and New Orleans to tie. Yeah. I know. I think also, like, if the Bucks tie, I think they can make it in, too, somehow. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's yeah, so basically to, win, win or lose. Like yes. that's what winning in, losing out. That's yeah. pretty. So much. talking about the performance that they're going to need to put on the field here, I'll say this: after a loss against the Saints, the way that they played, they're going to turn a lot of people away. But the Bucks were doing a good job of winning over some hearts and minds during that four-game win streak. Winning cures all, as we have talked about, and I and I do think, to be honest with you, I haven't said this. I don't think I said this on the post game. I'm going to say it now just as a little sidebar here so I remember later. Uh, my stance on quarterback Baker Mayfield has not changed. I know a week ago I said that, you know, I'm ready to buy in. This is what it is. And I still feel that way. I just want to make that part of the conversation clear. We're talking more so about Todd Bowles this week and the condition the Bucks showed up ready to play in. So looking ahead to this week against Carolina... The Bucs are going to have to do a lot this week to, to win some people over the way that they did after that four-game win streak. After just a brutal loss to New Orleans in the fashion that, that it did, you're going to have to have uh, Mike Evans go for 200-plus yards and three touchdowns again, I think, to get people really excited about the potential the Bucs may have here in the postseason with a win this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we, we talk about... Um, you know, just, I mean, I just want to go back to Kathy's point really quick. Um, that's yeah. Again, the Bucks. Let's be real. Like, probably gonna win on Sunday, right? Like, most likely gonna win. Like, even if it's not pretty, most likely gonna win. So you win the division, and you're like, yeah, like you feel so much worse about it, you know. And that's what I was saying about after the first Carolina game, after the second Atlanta game, they won the games. You were like, yeah, but. You know, after the Green Bay game and the Jacksonville games, you didn't really feel that way. But after those two, the Atlanta and the Carolina games, you're like, yeah, but they didn't really play well. And that's how you're going to be feeling now after clinching a division title. And they set themselves up for it. And Todd Bowles, it, look, he's the man you're all going to point at, right? The, the two people that you always point at are the head coach and the quarterback. Like, like that's what you point at, especially when. Um, now, I don't think Baker Mayfield played great on Sunday. I don't really think he played good. But like he was far from the biggest issue on Sunday. Like like he he wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the reason they lost that football game, right? Like if he went out and threw five picks and the Bucks lost by three, sure, all right, he's the reason they lost. But he didn't. You know, could he have made you know a couple of you know better plays? Yeah, like I said, I don't think he played very well. He held onto the ball, threw that one pick. I know the one was tipped, so I'll give a pass on that. But um, this team ultimately looked not prepared, and and that's why, and that falls on the head coach. So the reason we're making this podcast here is, is we're talking about you know Todd Bowles, like you said, his security and everything, and um, Scott Reynolds, who again. Not a report. Uh, th this is not. But Scott Reynolds, obviously, Pew Report, very, very, very plugged in. And he does basically say in his two-point conversion thing, he normally does uh, two statements, two questions, and then two predictions. And his first statement was that the Bulls and the Bucks are at a crossroads in Carolina. Um, that, you know, it's uh, basically he pretty much 
says what I what I said pretty much. It said about how uh, Dennis Allen actually had the Saints do a fully padded practice on Wednesday because the Saints knew that this game was it for them, so they were trying to be as prepared as possible. And again, the Saints out physical the Bucks. You wonder why, you know? Um, I mean, the, the so late, the late hit certainly helped too. You know that that's been an issue with the Saints team, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so Reynolds basically says, and again, this is not he, he does he does say and I, I sort of the more I've been thinking about it, the more I agree with it. Like he says like a, a loss against the Panthers on Sunday, like Bulls will almost certainly be fired. And like I agree. Yeah, like, it's I, I mean if they I, lose I think to, it's almost hundred percent. If they like, lose to Carolina, you may as well leave that uh head coach. You, you may as well leave him in Carolina. You may as well just not even let him come back with the team. I, right. I I think that a loss to Carolina on Sunday makes this entire conversation we're having so much easier because we've I, and talked I, and about. I actually, I actually think a loss to Carolina, especially if Baker doesn't play well, I actually think that would draw into question his future with the team too. I think that's how big of a collapse that would be. Yeah. L- losing your final two games, including the last one to the worst team in the NFL, that can't happen. Um, so, but also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to reiterate that if they lose to Carolina, like no ifs, ands, or buts, everybody's gone. Baker's gone. Bowles is gone. Canales is gone. I don't know if it affects how the Bucks address their free agency, but you better believe if Baker's going to be gone, it's going to affect their draft. It's going to affect how they build this team for the future. And it's potentially going to be around a franchise quarterback. They pick up in the 24 draft, but we obviously have to wait to dive into this a little bit more until after the game, yeah. because it's, it's either going to go one, uh, one way or the other here. Right. Right. But, uh, and then, and then Reynolds, and this is important. This is his, this is his perspective. Right. And this is my, I, me and Reynolds share a very similar opinion on this. And this is what I've been saying. This is what I was saying a few weeks ago as well. And a lot of people didn't love it, especially when it came to Mayfield. But uh, he said, but if I'm the Glazers, I'm demanding that bulls show he can not only win another hat and t-shirt, but that he can actually win a playoff game too. Otherwise, Bowles' overall record in Tampa Bay would be 17 and 17 in the regular season with a win in Carolina and could very well be 0 and 2 in home playoff games. And that's simply not good enough. I agree. Like that's that's not good enough to me. Uh, but he also, and here's the interesting one. And then then we'll talk about, like I said, you can go check it, check that out on pewterreport.com. Uh, Scott Reynolds does a great job. Uh, then he does two bold predictions. His prediction one is the Bucks will win in Carolina. And then prediction two, and this is the big one. He predicts that Todd Bowles will get fired at the end of the season. So he says, uh, this is the full thing, full article right here. Todd Bowles is a good man. I'm not calling for him to be fired. Whatever happens will happen. He's going to keep his job or lose his job based on his win-loss column, not any of my columns on pewreport.com. Having said that, I just get the sense that the Glazers will move on from Bowles, who went 8-9 and nine in Tom Brady's final season and will finish either 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight this year in the dismal NFC South. Barely winning a bad division two years in a row isn't a badge of honor, especially when it comes down to the wire both seasons. Uh, let's and then and then the Bulls has has had to navigate a coaching staff he inherited and wasn't all too fond of last year, and a dire salary cap situation this year, and having to play a bunch of rookies as a result. He needs to be commended for accepting those challenges and doing the best he could. And this is my whole thing. This sentence right here describes what I've talked about with Baker Mayfield, what I talked about with Todd Bowles for weeks. But can't Tampa Bay do better? Shouldn't the Bucks demand better? 
Sunday's home loss with the division on the line was a very bad look. Tampa Bay looked totally unprepared and not ready to play. Had Bulls Bucks already wrapped up the division earlier, or had a two or three game cushion atop the NFC South, it would be a different story. It's hard to imagine Tampa Bay winning a home playoff game against a better team like Dallas, Philadelphia, or Detroit. All currently have eleven and five records, but we'll see what happens. You know, and it's one of those things where we talk about the position this Bucks team is in, and they are on the verge of potentially winning eight or nine games for the season. If they win nine games. They've upped their win total a game from last year. They've secured the division for a third year in a row. They are going to the playoffs with a home playoff game as a division leader for the third year in a row. But, you know, after that win against the Jaguars, I came on this podcast and I talked about how as far as the 2023 season, the Bucks needed a lot of things to go right if they were going to be a team to win the division this year, in my opinion. I said that at the beginning of the year when I predicted them to only win seven games. Like, I I said that a lot of things were going to have to go right. The offensive line with the moving parts, everybody was going to have to play above average. Rashad White was going to have to have a breakout season. Baker Mayfield was going to have to maybe play some of the best football of his career. Mike Evans was going to have to prove he can still be a wide receiver one on this football team. There's a lot of defensive guys we can dive into as well. But I said after that Jags game, when the Bucs were 8-7, and seven, I said you, you cannot fault this team and you cannot fault this, I think I said you can't fault this coaching staff for winding up with the best case scenario. Because let's face it, as far as the quarterback signing with Baker Mayfield, the best that's case a, that's, a, that's a home run, yeah. yeah. Right, but the best case scenario was for him to come in here on a $4 million contract and throw 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, which he's on pace for, over 4,000 yards. That's a damn good QB season, statistically speaking. <laughs> Especially for one year, $4 million. Yeah, right, right, for, for what they paid, for sure. Mike Evans having statistically one of the best seasons of his career. Rashad White absolutely blossomed in the second half of the year. The offensive line, there's a little bit of nitpicking. Aaron Stinney has been on a bit of a downward spiral these last few weeks, but yeah, Tristan Yeah, but Wurst, just, like you, just like you talked, Tristan Wirfs, the transition's yeah. been great, you know, like there's a little bit to be desired on the interior, for sure, but like Gedeke hasn't been a turnstile. Like he's been improved. Like Canales has had his struggles, but like he's shown signs of brilliance. Like he's not a complete like bonehead, you know. There's this, there's a lot of things. The rookies, right? The rookies are making an impact as well. You're right. The most underwhelming part of this season, though, is we can look at the record, we can look at the games the Bucks have left and the position they find themselves in to win the division. Best case scenario, you could have thought at the beginning of the year. But when you look at the record and you break down the wins and the losses and you really look at how this team played against stiff competition this year, which is who you face in the NFL playoffs, that's the most underwhelming part of it. And that's what brings a lot of heat onto Todd Bowles is that, yeah, the argument can be made like, oh, it's tough to fire a guy after winning the division two years in a row uh, and you know, basically making the best out of what he was given. Like, first-year play caller with Dave Canales, new quarterback, new offensive system. A a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of question marks to start the year that the Bucs needed to go well if they were going to win games. And those things have gone well. The Bucs have win games. But if they were coached that much better, how many more games would they win this year against quality opponents? You know, they beat up on a quality Jacksonville team who was decimated by injuries. Like, I I don't think there's an excuse because, again, 
I said it after the game. Trevor Lawrence, he cleared concussion protocol. He was out there available, ready to go. That's their yeah. starting franchise quarterback. The fact of the matter is he played. It's not my fault. It's not the Bucks' fault that he played like crap. They took advantage, and they did what good football teams do. They played complimentary football, and they looked like a playoff team for four quarters in that Jacksonville game. Well, I mean, when you got second and third string guys there late in the fourth quarter, it's hard to argue that. But regardless, they won that game handily. They beat Green Bay convincingly. But you can pick apart flaws in both Jacksonville and Green Bay and point at you know those to say, well, maybe this is why the Bucs looked as dominant as they did. Because every single time this year, they have faced a tough opponent. They have crumbled. And every single time this year that that has happened, we point at Todd Bowles, we point at this coaching staff, and we point at what condition the players were ready to play in at the start of that week. And it's it's just been brought into question too many times this year. And and I think that's the biggest hang-up with Bowles, is that we can look at him making the best of the situation, but if he was just a better ball coach, how much better would this situation really be for, for Tampa Bay, do you think? Yeah, so really quick, um, the Buccaneers are 1-6 this season against teams with an over 500 record. The only win comes against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if you remember, like at the time, like the Jaguars were reeling. Like The Jaguars had lost, I think, their previous three games. Like They caught the Jaguars at a good time. And like you said, though, they took advantage of it. Kudos to them. But they did. If they would have played the Jaguars six weeks earlier, it might have been a different game. But... Then if you count teams that are 500 or better, they're three and seven. All right. The two wins being against New Orleans and then against Green Bay. I mean, that's just not good enough. You know, like that, that's just not, you're going to, in the playoffs, like you're going to be playing these playoff teams. Like you're going to be playing the Philadelphia. You could play, you're likely going to play the Eagles in the first round. You lost the Eagles in, in week three. You know, if you if you somehow beat the Eagles, you could run into the Lions, who you lost to. Like, you know, there's a lot of teams like the Cowboys, who you didn't play this year, but you lost to last year in the playoffs, and it, it wasn't close, right? And you're just looking at the 49ers. You know, you could play them, who you lost to them. So when you're looking at it and you're evaluating this team, yeah, like the wins that they've had, okay. You win the games you're supposed to win. True, right? Like they to me, for the most part, they've won the games they're supposed to win. There's been a few, like the Atlanta game in Tampa, just like I said. Um, I would say that the Texans game, you know, I think the Texans are pretty good. And like I'm not even talking about the circumstances of that game. I'm talking like but like before the game, you're like, oh, the Bucks maybe should win this one. Uh like, you know, Carolina, they beat whatever. Um, you know, you should beat the worst team in the NFL. I, I expect you to do that. But it's those games, right? They they haven't been able. They couldn't beat Indy, you know. They they couldn't beat San Francisco. They couldn't beat Buffalo. Like like, and honestly, these games haven't been particularly close. You know, like the Eagles beat them by fourteen. The Lions uh, beat them by fourteen. The Bills beat them by six, but actually the Bucks scored a garbage time touchdown. Uh, so it was 24 to 11 for the longest time. So that's 13. The 49ers beat them by 13. The Colts beat them by seven. Um, and then the Saints just beat them by 10. Uh, you're looking at it, and if you can't beat a quality opponent every now and then, you're just you're you are an average football team. And to me, mediocre is is death, basically. 
right? Like if you are mediocre, you are stuck in the in no man's land. Like, like you're just stuck, and it's hard to get out of that. It, it really is. It's hard to get out of, of of that. You know that like that that that, that purgatory, basically, right? Um, it is tough to get out. The one thing I will say, we're talking about Todd Bowles' job security. Uh, Tony Dungy made the playoffs three straight seasons. Okay, had a winning record. And by the way, in all those seasons, Todd Bowles had a losing record his first season as, as Bucks head coach. Tony Dungy went eleven and five, right in, in nineteen ninety nine. He followed that up in two thousand with ten and six, and then he followed that up in two thousand one with nine and seven. Lost in the first round, or I or I should say, made the first playoff game each time. The Glazers fired him, so it would not be a shock if, even if. The Buccaneers make the playoffs like Reynolds predicts, like I think me and you are going to predict, right? They're going to beat the Panthers, make the playoffs. It would not be a shock if we're, we're previewing a playoff game, we're reviewing the playoff game, and then our next episode is the day after St. Tabo's got fired. You know, it, it would not be a shock. And quite frankly, if that occurs, and like, look, and I also think that the, the circumstances of that playoff game matter too. We've talked about that before. If they lose... 28 to 24 it's different than losing 31 to 10 like it's completely different you lose 31 to 10 i'd be like what are we doing here like is that what you're going to be every year barely make the playoffs and then just get blown out in in the playoff game um and then you want to look at so we're talking about keeping tie bowls or firing tie bowls right it's a big future decision correct it's huge. If, I, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's officially here, here, here's why. Yeah. So you're keeping him in 2024. Let's say he wins the NFC South. Because if he loses the NFC South, he's not going to be here. Um, if he wins the NFC South, you're going to be playing a first place schedule next season. That is important. So if assuming you win the NFC South and you play a first place schedule next season, here are your 2024 opponents. This isn't a schedule. The schedule comes out in April, but this is the opponents, the home. Schedule. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders, Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, San Francisco 49ers, Baltimore Ravens, on the road, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions. That is a very very difficult schedule. It's every like, team extremely it's, difficult. It's every team that they struggled against this year. You know, every game that we talk about where they just did not look ready to play against a superior opponent, you talk about the Lions game, the Eagles game, the Niners game, and then on top of that, you get uh to visit Kansas City next year as well. Wouldn't that just be you get awesome? The, you, you get to visit you get to visit Kansas City, you get to visit Dallas, you get to you get uh to host Baltimore. Yeah, it's just, you know, great. The hits keep just, on just, coming. Just what you want. So, so we'll wrap it up with this. And, it, you know, this is what I want to take away, honestly, from, from what Scott Reynolds had put out there in his two-point conversion this week. You know, this isn't a report, as Evan had said. This isn't, this isn't gospel that, that, that Scott Reynolds is spewing. But he is a guy who has consistently been one of the most plugged-in media members. He, he doesn't write stuff for nothing. Correct. So the official prediction, what I am gathering here, is that Unless Todd Bowles can win this playoff game or convincingly lose this playoff game, it's going to be an uphill battle for him to return as head coach next year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, like, he in the article he says the sense I have that means to tell me that yeah, while he's not reporting this, right? Like he reported that Byron Leftwich was going to be fired. That that is yeah, a we, weeks before the end of the season. <laughs> yes, he said Byron Leftwich, and then mi- literally minutes after the the Cowboys eliminated the Bucks, he sent press on that you know published on that story that Byron Leftwich was to be fired. That's a report. That is pure report is reporting that. This is just him saying there's a sense. Saying the word sense is a big key there because to me that reads as somebody along the way has at least alluded to him that this could happen. Whether he's asking a source like, hey, is Todd Bowles' job like 100% good even if they make the playoffs? And the source is like, eh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, that to me is alluding to the fact that, yeah, there is some semblance of truth to this. Because like I said, Scott Reynolds does not write just for clicks. He doesn't write just to, uh, you know, appease fans. He writes what he hears, and he writes also what he thinks. And um, he, he doesn't always just write his opinion and quoted as fact and i think the fact that he put that you know into words and then press publish on that i think that matters like and i think that is significant it is some lofty expectations for the tampa bay buccaneers this week against the carolina panthers just one one away from securing a spot in the nfc playoffs there at the fourth seed securing a home playoff game for the third year in a row and securing the nfc south division for the third year in a row, but for Todd and, Bowles and, and, and yeah, really, really quick. Sorry. No, uh, Edward Hernandez brought up something in the chat that, that I, I do it, it. The defense, I think that might be the biggest reason why if we're sitting here two or three Mondays from now and Todd Bowles is gone, I think that's the biggest reason you could say, yep, that's why his defense has regressed. What was our biggest complaint? We said, oh, man, you know, the offense was great in Green Bay. But the defense left a little bit to be desired, right? Jordan Love was passed for 300 yards. Um, they didn't get any turnovers. Like, you know, his defense has regressed. Desmond Ritter threw all over the Bucks in Atlanta. The Bucks were just able to escape with a win because Young Way Koo missed two field goals he normally makes. Like, that's the, the, the truth of it, you know? Um and the defense has now they look good against Jacksonville and they looked okay against New Orleans, but definitely, I mean, in that scenario, you want them to shut the game down, but the offense was so bad. It wouldn't have mattered. I don't think, but Bowles' defense has regressed. And I think that is the biggest thing where if you're looking at Todd Bowles, like, yeah, you keep him for your, for the defense. And if the defense has been pretty brutal, like what's the point then, you know? And I just don't, I don't see much. And this is my opinion, right? This is not what I'm, you know, I'm not reporting anything personally, even if the Bucks win, even if that playoff game is close, I would still fire Todd Bowles. Um, if the Bucks win, sure, you get to keep your job. But even if even if you lose that playoff game, uh, I, I I would fire Todd Bowles just because I don't see how you can get much better than what you are now with this guy as your head coach. That's that's my thing. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive mind. He's a great guy. You know, and I think the players love playing for him. But it's a business, and I just to me his ceiling. Is what you're a type of Todd Bowles' ceiling as a head coach is the type of season you're seeing right now. He has one winning season in his entire career as a head coach in the NFL. That was his first season ever 
as a head coach at 10 and 6 with the Jets. And he had a chance to clinch that on Sunday, his second winning season, and he couldn't do it. So now he's staring down the barrel of a, another losing season. I just I think the ceiling for a team with Tabos as your head coach is probably nine wins. And to me, that just that gets you nowhere. Well, and we're we're talking about a late surge here from a Bucks team who won four games in a row to start the month of December. Like that's not something that you can account a team to do. Uh, you, you can't count on a team to do that every single year to bail you out because before that four game win streak, the Bucks were three and seven. And if the four NFC seven, South, yeah. if the NFC South division is not in shambles the way that it is. At four and seven, do you really believe that this is a team that still has a fighting chance to make the postseason? Like, I, I think a lot of that context is 100% important when you bring up what this Bucks team has looked like. And then also regarding the defense, the beginning of the year, I think I said this back in 2022 as well, but the beginning of this season, I had said, you know, more times than not this year, we're going to need the defense to be the anchor for this team. Because it's a unit that has played pretty well every year. Todd Bowles has been here from defensive coordinator to head coach. Like that 2022 defense, I still don't think they're going to get the credit they will always deserve. I thought that was a solid unit that was dealing with a historically bad offense that was losing them games. But the beginning of 2023, I was counting on the defense to anchor and win us some games. And here we are just one game away from the postseason. And we kind of feel the opposite. Like, the biggest development from that four-game win streak was, look how good the offense looks. Look how the offense is uh, is finally winning us games because, you know, they really have only been in a position to do that a couple of other times this year. Uh, looking at the Houston game, that's probably the biggest example of the offense showing up ready to play. And then, unfortunately, with 45 seconds left in the game, the defense, you know, folds under pressure. And it's, Todd Bowles' unit. Hasn't been, it just hasn't been the same since that week. I, I don't think it really has been the same unit. They, they've played some great games. You've got some great players having a great season. But cohesively, it doesn't feel like the Bucks have found a rhythm ever since that Houston game on defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, I think that's the, the biggest knock on bowls right now is you're looking at this defense and it is just, it's getting worse. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. And uh, Jared in the chat says, I think bowls isn't a great head coach, but given what he was left with this year, he had earned another year. If he wins against Carolina to me, I, I just, I go back to your, to your first sentence. You think he's earned another year, but you don't think he's a great head coach. It is, why keep them? You know, to, to me, like that's just that's accepting mediocre, like that's accepting average or below average. To me, I, I would just be trying to leave leave no stone unturned, right? Like just try and find every way to so, improve. And I, I don't know. I know that I said we're going to end the show like five minutes ago, but this is going to be the last point to end the show. You talked about leaving no stone unturned, so I will end it with this. Uh, Jared Cox follow up point. They were how much. Invested into the dead cap this year, coming into the twenty twenty three season. I, I believe that the number was eighty one million. But yeah. look, you you also have to account for for last year too. Like everybody's like evaluating Bulls like it's his first year as head coach. Last year, people it, last year was a disaster. Like like last year, if the division was halfway decent, he misses the playoffs with Tom Brady. Last year, if Tom Brady and Mike Evans don't just have some magical second half where Tom Brady throws three touchdowns to Mike Evans, the Bucs lose to Carolina and they probably don't make the playoffs. 
I, I just, I, you know, I, I, I don't get it. Uh, and, and also, you know, uh, Malcolm uh, Hawthorne uh, in the chat says, unfortunately, the Buggers would retain Tubbles even if we lose the last game, just a hunch. I, last game meaning Carolina? I, yeah, I, I, I don't if, think. If you're talking about playoff game, maybe, but last game against Carolina, I don't, I don't see how. Yeah, I, I think that's a clear sign of where this Bucks team actually is. You know, with the momentum that they've had during the month of December to not only come out flat in the game that you could have secured the division against New Orleans, like at the end of the day, it's the Saints game. So I'm still pissed about it. I'm still pissed they looked as flat as they did. But nobody, I think at the end of the day, since they already beat New Orleans once this season, I don't think a lot of people are going to fault the Bucks for beating or for losing to the Saints nine times out of ten. Right With the added circumstances of this game, obviously, it's hard to swallow. But not a lot of people are going to be upset. But if you come out flat to the Saints and then you find a way to lose to the worst team in the NFL the following season, everybody's with, gone. With, with the playoffs on the line. Correct. Like, gone. everybody's gone. gone. There is, there, there's just not even excuse to make that kind of thing okay. I don't think there's any amount of coach speak uh, that Todd Bowles or David Canales or anyone else on that coaching staff can come up with there at the podium that deserves them having a job next year. That would be uh, that would be an all-time collapse. It would be one of the most embarrassing losses in franchise history, dare I say. And this yeah. is a franchise. No, yes. This is a franchise that is one of the best in the NFL at losing football games. Yes, it, it would. I, I think it would be the most embarrassing loss in franchise history. Uh, I I'm not kidding. I it would be it would be something like 20 years from now you'd still be talking about like it. Oh, if they yeah. If they lose yeah. on Sunday, that is phew, like that's even something to wear. Like, not saying it's going to happen, but I, I'd be if I'm the Glazers, I'd be looking at Jason Light, being like, "You built this team, you know." Like, I'm a big Jason Light fan, but that just—I'm not saying Jason Light would get fired. I'm not saying he should be fired, but like that would be like an evaluation of everybody, like everybody, like you said, Baker Mayfield. Would unless they lose like thirty-five to thirty-one, and Baker Mayfield lights it up, then maybe. But like Baker Mayfield wouldn't be back. Todd Bowles would wouldn't be back. Dave Canales wouldn't be back. Brand new coaching staff, brand new quarterback. Like there would be just a ton of change, and it would be needed, like necessary. Like heads would have to roll because there would have to be consequences for that. Losing your final two games of the season, and it's not like you're playing the 49ers this week. You know, you're playing the worst team in the NFL, the worst team. I know we've got a lot of uh, we got a lot of flack on this podcast this season for for being too negative at times is what people tell us. They say that we're too negative. We don't always enjoy the good things this Bucks team has brought us in 2023. And I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, man, these guys already think the the Bucks are going to lose to the Panthers. We never once said that. We both said that we think the Bucks are going to win. But you are. <laughs> you are a you could you could you have you a lion you are a lion <laughs> dog face pony soldier if you cannot look me in the eyes and say that you feel 100% confident that the bucks are going to win this game this sunday I, I mean you're a liar you're a liar if you can tell me beyond a shadow of a doubt you do not think that there is just the smallest chance that with how inconsistent the bucks have been in 2023 you don't think there's the tiniest bit chance they could go out there and fumble the bag. And I want to believe they're a better team. I want to believe that they are a better team, and I want to believe that they win, and I think they will win. But, yeah, man, yeah, those it, losses, it, the losses that they have had this year and the games that we just spent 
45 minutes breaking down some of the ugly losses they've had this year. Those games and the coaching in those in those games are the reason I feel the way that I do right now. It's hard to describe my feelings about the Bucks right now. It's kind of a it's kind of a kind of a melancholy feeling. You know what I mean? Like I I, I know we're almost at the end of the road. I just want to see them put down gracefully. Uh-huh. And uh yeah. I, I don't I don't know how it's going to happen. I I, mm-hmm. I I don't. But it certainly is an uphill battle for Todd Bowles yeah, and, you, and this coaching you, staff. You know, yeah, you're looking at that dog and you're like, you know he's only got a little bit left, and you're just hoping that it's not painful, you yeah. know. Um yeah. you know, then uh, Vincent Price in the chat says, still won't top our nineteen ninety nine FC championship game against the Rams, aka the worst game of my entire life. This very day we got robbed. No, no, no. That wasn't embarrassing. We said embarrassing, right? You lost an NFC championship game. The the, the refs ended up screwing you, this and that. That one hurts for sure. This would be embarrassing. Like, like truly like, like laughing, like embarrassed. Like they, everyone in that organization should be embarrassed if they lose on Sunday. Like everybody. Well, uh, I guess we'll end it on a, positive note here ladies and gentlemen that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the cannon fire podcast bit of a chaotic show this evening but we appreciate you bearing with us uh that's the beauty of doing a live podcast and i want to say personally thank you guys so much for hanging out with us live over here in the chat room on youtube brutal as bucks jared cox richard t vincent price who's been giving me some love on my creamsicle bucko bruce hat thank you very much my friend our good friend, Kathy Gillespie, thank you for the $20 Super Chat earlier. Edwin Hernandez, West Coast, Richard T. Willie Beam and the moderator holding it down, as always. We appreciate your guys' support. Subscribe to the channel for more Great Bucks content, if you have not already. Follow the show on social media as well. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week, my friend? Yeah, going to have the final regular season Q&A out as well. Um, and then also uh, the the X Factor. So uh, hoping, you know, it could be the final Q&A of the season. It could be the final X Factor of the season. Hopefully not. But um, if the Buccaneers lose, I'll have a ton of offseason content the following weeks. If they win, we'll have the playoff X Factor and the playoff Q&A. So uh, stay tuned for all that good stuff. We will talk to you later this week for our game preview as we dive into the final regular season matchup of the 2023 season for the Bucks taking on NFC South rival, the Carolina Panthers. If they win, they're in. If they lose, you might as well blow this whole thing up. Uh, Bucks, are, Bucks are walking a dangerously fine line headed into week 18 of the 2023 season. I almost forgot. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter. <clears throat> Instagram and Twitter. At Redicus, without the voice crack that time. R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Like I said, we'll talk to you later this week on our game preview. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off with my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.